last week, the first Sunday of Advent, we focused on hope. Jesus brought hope to a hopeless world. Hope springs eternal because the one who is centered in hope is eternal. He is not limited in any fashion or any way, and because of Him, He's the focus of our entire future, both now and forever. This morning, we relit the candle of hope, and then James Hines lit the candle of peace. Now, considering the state of affairs in our world today, we can rightly ask, what peace? Where is it? Peace, it would seem, is a stranger to us here in America. We have, for the first time in a 150 years, seen riots in major cities all around America. The Society for International Law, who keeps the st statistics on war and skirmishes around the world, tells us that in the last 4,000 years, there have only been 268 years of peace. Roughly 7% of the time there was peace. In the last three centuries, there have been 286 wars on the continent of Europe alone. 8,000 peace treaties have been signed and broken. During this period, there have been 14,000 351 wars, large and small, in which 3.64 billion people have died. I can rightly ask, where's peace? Some of you may recall from history, tomorrow is the 79th anniversary of an event that changed America. Because just 22 years after the ending of World War I, which was called the War to End All Wars, on a very quiet Sunday morning like today, that peace was shattered in Pearl Harbor in the territory of Hawaii at that time. Our fleet was decimated and the fires were lit for World War. We joined in with Europe against the Axis nations to fight. From World War II forward, I want to remind you where America has been. We had the Korean conflict, followed by the Vietnam War, then Grenada, then the Falkland Islands, then Desert Storm, then Kosovo, then Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan, Somalia, Libya, Uganda, Syria, in Yemen, and that's leaving out much of the territory around Macedonia and Bosnia and Herzegovina, where the battles went on during the 90s that we were involved in, even though our media didn't report it. I don't think it's a surprise to anyone here that we live in a world of turmoil. People are fighting all over the world. Our age is characterized by an absence of peace and a presence of turmoil. But we ask ourselves, what happened to the peace? What happened to peace on earth? What, what happened to the reality that we're in the 21st century? Weren't we supposed to conquer all these problems by now? 
Where's the peace that we need so desperately? Well, obviously, World War I was not a war to end all wars, neither was World War II or any other. At, at least we understand, humanly speaking, we as mankind cannot create a lasting peace. We never have. Matthew 24, 6, Jesus tells us that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and we certainly do, and we're constantly seeing that, even little skirmishes in our, the streets of our cities now. We wonder if anybody is safe anywhere in America, in the country that once you didn't lock your, your doors at night. You didn't worry about what was going on around you. You felt that you could trust people. I want to share with you a little story I read years ago, and I've always appreciated the story. Where can you go to find peace? There was a couple in a church, Christian couple, that said that they wanted to do a serious, thorough investigation of the safest place that they could live in the world. And they did that. For, for roughly 20 years, they researched and they were preparing for the day that they retired to move to an area that would be absolutely totally engulfed with peace. Well, they finally researched and discovered the place where the threat of nuclear war and the fear of any kind of uh, volatile civil wars in the country could ever come, and they felt it was the most peaceful place you could go to. So they bought a home there, and they moved in on April the 1st, 1982, on the Falkland Islands. And they sent a letter to their pastor back in the States in Connecticut. And they said, we found the most peaceful place in the world. Before the letter arrived, the Falkland War broke out. And they lost everything that they had. You cannot decide what's peaceful and what isn't. You can't do that. Our eyes can't look that far because we can't look into the hearts of mankind. No, to find peace and where it is, we must find the Prince of Peace. Only He can give us what we truly desire. You know, it, it, it's funny, I had a friend years ago that uh, he got into meditation. And he said meditation and uh, yoga was the secret to his calmness and peace. I'm not exaggerating. He's sitting inside of his little... Uh, classroom for yoga on Whitehall Street in Atlanta and they're peacefully meditating one Thursday evening when a car plunged through the front window going a hundred miles an hour. He stayed in a mental hospital for six weeks overcoming that and when I saw him when he got out you know what he said to me? He says I don't think peace is available anymore. Now, amazingly, in that happening, it was a little bit sad, but at that point, I could sit down and say the peace you need is not a peace you'll find in yoga or meditation. It's not found in a place. It's found in a person. And that person can be within you and give you that peace. And for the first time in 26 years, my friend listened to the gospel. And he prayed and received Christ. Because many people have to go on their journey looking for peace, and they're not going to find it. It's not going to be available where they're looking. 
that we must stand by in love and respect and prepare for them to seek the true and the living Christ. Now, what kind of peace are you looking for today? Have you found it? Let me talk about peace for a little bit, the different kinds of peace. And I'm just going to mention five for the sake of our discussion this morning. Are you talking about relational peace? Peaceful circumstances around you? Peace of mind, where your mind is at peace with all that's going on. Or or the peace of a smooth, trouble-free life. Well, we haven't found a way to cut out Mondays yet, so that may not be possible. And then the last one, inner peace. A study was done some years ago around the subject of peace and contentment. And one thing it showed is that self-centered, egotistical people tend to be the least happy in the world. They don't find contentment because mainly they have an idea of contentment that humanly is not possible. In fact, that idea died way back in the Garden of Eden. Perhaps you've heard the saying, the trouble with some self-made men is they worship their Creator. That's true. And if you think you can make peace in your situation, it, it will never come. The people that are seeking peace end up becoming the most destructive people ever. Have you noticed that? In the history of, of world wars and, and, and of, of, of horrible situations of death, it's always the one who is coming to bring peace that has the least peace in their life. Karl Marx wrote a book, Capital, to explain why he believed that, that peace was not possible because we're alienated from our ability to produce. It's stolen from us. And he believed that if we could ever get back what we really should earn, we would be happy. Well, first of all, he was going down the wrong road because things don't bring happiness. Secondly, Karl Marx wouldn't know anything about being alienated from your work. He never worked. He lived off of two inheritances. And he wouldn't know about bringing peace in his life because after his family alienated him, Two ex-wives committed suicide. He was an angry man. He didn't believe in God. He didn't think that there was a God. And he felt that we had to become God in our lives. And his life was disastrous. Yet, his book and his teachings are the basis of how almost a half of the people in the world live under that ideology. And billions have died under it. Not understanding that what he offered was not peace, but it was stuff, money, power, influence, and things. All which makes life more complicated. I want to think about the situation that Jesus was born into. You've got to understand the mess that the Roman world had created. They had this desire to conquer everything. Not for the sake of making life better, but for the sake of conquest. They didn't have peaceful circumstances. The entire area there in, in Judea was under the thumb of the Romans. They weren't nice people. There was oppression, crucifixions, battles, 
Families were wiped out. People would go away to battle and never come back again. It was a very miserable place to live. Jesus was born during the census. Sort of like the year we're living in right now. Everyone had to return to their home of origin to be counted. Isn't it amazing in the middle of probably one of the most giant census endeavors in the history of the world? In a quiet little town called Bethlehem, God chose to send salvation. The only one that could ever resolve the conflict. A lot of people don't look there because it seems too humble, just like the, uh, the manger in front of us here. It was a ragtag existence for poor people back then, and Mary and Joseph were poor. Joseph, no doubt, was a, a carpenter or a wood hewer of some sort. Mary did not have anything. They came together being beckoned by the great Roman Empire. And yet the only thing Jesus ever said about the Roman Empire was this. He said, give Caesar what's Caesar's, but give God what is his. And yet somehow in the midst of that, the disciples concurred that, that somehow Jesus was coming to take away their immediate problem. And that's what they wanted. You realize if the Roman Empire disappeared, and it did disappear eventually, peace did not come. It still wasn't there. You're not going to find it that way. Jesus came as a baby, and they said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Yet tragically, this peace doesn't last long without God. Herod found out and immediately ordered the killing of all male children under the age of two around Bethlehem. So much for re relational peace. Herod didn't care about that. He just cared about staying in power. How about peaceful circumstances back then? Well, the entire area was under uh, the Roman rule, and, and, and it was horrible there. It was devastating. No one could move out of their class or, or, or their craft without permission of the Roman Empire. It was a horrible existence. But what about inner peace? How do you get inner peace in the midst of a storm like that? How do you overcome that kind of problem? I read a story that Irma Bombeck published years ago about a woman who had gone out shopping one day. She just wanted to go out and get some Christmas gifts that she'd forgotten about, and she accidentally stumbled upon a dangerous place. She was in the middle of a mall in a certain uh, big box store on the end of the mall, walking through there, and over the intercom they announced there's an automatic 10% discount on every price that's marked now. And she said it was almost like World War III began. She said, I was walking by a table, and she said, I leaned on the table to prop myself because people were brushing by me so quickly. And she said, my hand rested on a lace tablecloth in a, in a plastic wrapping. And a woman grabbed it, pushed me aside, yanked it up, and said, it's mine. She stumbled toward the elevator and got on there. 
and just stood there as the door was closing and some woman jumped in with more bags and packages than her size and pushed everybody back and she said, I don't know who came up with the idea of this crazy holiday, but they ought to be beaten. As the door closed, a little man in the back very quietly said, don't worry, lady, they've already crucified him. You see, much of our lack of peace we've created. And not just, not just lost folks in this world, Christians, because we play along with that. Walking into Winn-Dixie yesterday afternoon, there was a group of people standing around the, the uh, Salvation Army kettle, and it sounded more like a Dixieland band. They had music blaring so loudly that I had to walk way around them to keep from losing my eardrums. They were screaming and yelling and, and almost threatening people to put money in the kettle. And I don't believe one of them ever read a story about the Booth family, General Booth and his family that built up the Salvation Army to help poor children who were living in the streets of England a century ago. And they collected money to help the poor. And somehow we've lost touch in that. Oh, by the way, the group that was standing there church group a church group and they were playing jingle bells we've got to find that inner peace dear people if we don't where will we be how about peaceful circumstances in our life well we'll keep looking Selma Alabama is a city like any other that's hurting and we've got to have the only peace that will last, and that's inner peace. Without that inner peace, we're in trouble because any circumstance can come at us any point along the way and, and we can get into trouble. A man said one day that he said, my therapist told me that the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I've started. And he said, I took his advice, so now this morning I finished two bags of potato chips a whole jar of M&M's and I'm working on a case of Cokes. I don't think that's what he meant, do you? What we have to do is not finish what we started. That'll give you a little good feeling when you do that, but inner peace is not based on what we do. It's based upon what Jesus did that we couldn't do. Let's think for a moment about the sort of peace that Jesus coming assures us of. The first thing is, is Jesus coming brings us peace with God. A clear conscience that things are set right with our Creator. We don't have to fear that if the end of life comes, we're in trouble. We don't have to hope that we have that five minutes notice to get right. Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I would submit that if you don't have peace with God, you can never enjoy anything in the way of the Christmas celebration because it's meaningless. If your heart is not set on Him and you're not focused upon Him, you're in trouble. But secondly, we can have inner peace because God gave us His Son. 
you realize God could have just stamped the book and forgiven us. He could have just said, oh, go on. He didn't do that. He could have sent angels to each one of us and, and notified us that all we had to do was trust and believe and we'd be okay. He didn't do that. What He did was He sent His Son. And because of that, it's not about forgiveness only. It's about a relationship. A relationship that begins and never ends. A relationship that changes us forever. A relationship that gives us inner peace because the presence of the Holy Spirit within us is obvious and evident. Now, does it mean that all your problems will go away? Absolutely not. We will always have problems. We will always struggle with them. As, as, as much as I love my lawyer back there, uh, Gary Thompson, I'm so thankful that when he gets to heaven, he won't have a job to do. Won't be any disputes over land lot lines. There won't be any argument over property rights. There won't be anybody you know, in jail that needs defending. And Gary will gladly give up his position for the great judge of eternity. We've got to go fishing when we get up there, Gary. You won't have anything else to do. I won't either. don't need to preach up there anymore. Y'all will be very busy. Trust me, you keep singing like that, I promise you, you'll be in demand. But the reality is, we've got to find the Prince of Peace to change, to become what we need to be. Now, a lot of things depend on what we do with our lives. We can practice that peace, you know, relational peace in this world. No, you're not going to have that. There's always going to be a relationship where things fall apart, and that simply won't work out the way you want. Circumstances in life can change in an instant. Economies can head south in a moment's notice. Companies scale back. Jobs are, are, are destroyed. But God has never changed. There is no shadow of turning with Him. Meaning there's not even any concept or idea that God will ever change. He loves you and He always will. Life's kind of funny. You know, you get to that age where, where your kids grow up and, 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 and they leave home and then your parents get older and you go from taking care of one set to another. And then life becomes very, very difficult because you don't know what's ahead. Many mornings I wake up and as I'm praying, I say, Lord, when did I get this old? I remember being young. Life goes by more quickly than you can imagine. Remember when you were a child in grade school and uh, back when we actually had summers off? Now I think they have, what, about three days off? Poor old teachers, they're just... <laughs> why take everything down in the classroom when you're going to be there in just a few weeks? Uh, but remember when about July or the middle of July, it, the days were long and, and it was like, oh, this day won't ever get over with when you're a kid. And now they fly by. The reality is our time on earth is so brief. And our opportunity to make an impact will pass quickly. 
And there's a world out there that's looking for what we have in our hearts. And they're devastated. They're looking everywhere. They're, they're, they're spending untold amounts of time, effort, and money to find happiness. And it's so simple. It doesn't involve purchasing anything. It, it involves surrendering our hearts and our lives. Remember this, in life your circumstances will always change. But God never will. And we've got to let people know those words that, that were given to us in John 14 that I so often go back to. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give you. I give you this peace not as the world gives peace. And he said, let, let not your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. There's a peace that he gives that's beyond all understanding. And it's available. Here's what's sad. As Christians, we can, we can get involved with, with self and, and what we consider what Christmas is about and, and the activities and, and the appointments and all of that. And we can lose sight of that peace. As Christians, as people who are walking with God, we can get caught up with what we want to do and not what He desires for us to do. I told you a story years ago about a lady that was in my church in, in Atlanta. A very sweet lady. She was the... Uh, every church I've been to, we have the WMU lady. There's a woman that, that runs the WMU, and the WMU lady sitting right there. And, and I always loved my WMU folks. My mother was a WMU lady for many years, and, and she drilled in me several concepts. Number one, that the WMU is an auxiliary of the Baptist church, and we do not, do not answer to the church. And that was right. It was a ministry that was developed so women could participate in missions. And they're one of the most active programs you'll ever have. But let me tell you something about the WMU. We could learn a lot from them. Their creativity, their outreach, their ability to accept people. We had, we had a lady here, Vivian Taylor, who I love dearly. She died as closely as an angel that, as I've ever heard. If you don't know the story about her death, come over to the office and we'll give you a copy of her funeral service where her son, Dr. Ned Driggers, talks about those last 30 minutes of her life and how wonderful they were. But Vivian told me at lunch one day, she said, Jerry, she said, I'm, I was disturbed when I took over the WMU that there were a lot of women after World War II that they worked and, 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 and they weren't homemakers and so they weren't able to go to WMU during the day. And she said, I was burdened with that because so many women work. And she said, we actually at First Baptist started two WMU groups. One that met during the day for the stay-at-home moms and one that met in the evening for the working moms. And I said, well, how did that go? She said, at times we had more people in, in the evening than we did in the morning. And she said, I discovered this. Those moms that were out working to make a living to keep their family going, 
said they needed Jesus and they needed a purpose in missions more than ever. It kept them focused. And it gave them a peace inside because they said sometimes in the busyness of life you forget that God is there loving you and living with you. Dear people, that's what we need this season. We need to know that God is here with us and we don't need to get the activities that we're, we're doing confused with God's perfect will for us because He has a place and a purpose for us and we can very easily walk by it. I've always been blessed by those who come to me and share with me how God is working in their life and giving them the calmness of spirit to do that. A lady told me Christmas of, I think it was 2006, who was our WMU lady? Sally George in Stockbridge, Georgia. She said, I was hurrying to get ready for a women's meeting and I was gathering the meal items together. She said, I left my husband's office and I was running errands and she said, I was just too busy that day. She said, I rushed in the grocery store. I picked up two cakes and, and three large platters of, of, of delicatessen items that I had ordered for the party. I was getting them out to my car and I looked over and there stood a boy that had been in my Sunday school class. And she said, I'd heard the stories about him. She said, he came back from Vietnam early, just a fraction of himself. He'd had a breakdown in the war. It wasn't pleasant. He had a falling out with his family because he didn't know how to, how to get through the issues of PTSD and other things. And he ended up homeless. And Sally said as she was loading things in there, she turned around and there he was. And she said, I thought maybe he wanted some money. And she said, he didn't. He just said he needed me to pray with him. And, and she said, I took his hand and said, I pray for you every day. And she said, I'm in a rush. I'll talk to you later. She got set up and kind of put that in the back of her mind. But it was only three days later when she read in the paper that they found him dead. He'd taken his life. And with tears running down her eyes, Sally said this to me. She said, Preacher, for the rest of my life, if I live one more year or, or 20 years, if anyone reaches out to me, everything is dropped. And I'm reaching out to them because she said in that moment, God wasn't in those people eating and having a pretty party. God was in me being with that man who was broken and crushed by society. And I missed it. Sometimes peace within is only experienced when we offer it to other people. Take time to stop and do that. Don't let your life get too complicated in this season of wonder and celebration that you forget that you are still a child of God ministering to those around about you. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you bless us with such a a remarkable blessing in life. You give us forgiveness, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and so many gifts. And I pray that we would be faithful even now as we consider that. Lord, we come to your table this first Sunday in December. 
And we come before your table to prepare us for this season. And I pray that before we take part in these, the elements, may we understand this, that forgiveness is available if we've neglected you. And that we are asking that you would just simply speak through us as you speak to us and that we would bless others around us. And Father, I pray that right now you would give to us an understanding of truth in our life because we all have decisions to make day by day or speak to someone right now that has a decision to make in their life. And may they be willing to do that which is correct. For it's in your holy name, Lord. Amen.